In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome to episode 18 of the Feelin' Film podcast. I'm Aaron, here with my co-host Patrick. Hey guys. And we are chomping at the bit to get into some discussion of this week's film, Suicide Squad. If you've been following our podcast or you're a member of the Facebook group, you'll know that we actually posted a poll to let our listeners decide what film to cover this week. And we're pretty glad that you picked this one. Yeah, it. Uh, we were pretty lukewarm on Suicide Squad from what we'd seen in trailers, but we wanted to give the people what they want and ended up enjoying it. The experience was great, and we have plans to do more listener pick polls in the future. That was a lot of fun. So if you aren't a member of the Facebook group, what are you waiting for? Additionally, you can always recommend movies for us to consider by tweeting us and using the hashtag FeelThisFilm. That'll help us collect the suggestions. Um, Aaron recently discovered a cool little tool called Tagboard that's linked on our website, so you can go there and see what other listeners have recommended. Unfortunately, Facebook doesn't aggregate the hashtag at this time, so it'll only work for Twitter users. Right on, Patrick. It is a really cool tool, and I am so glad that we came up with this hashtag to use. I'm also really glad that it's not been used yet. Um, (laughs) I I half expected it to have already been snatched up by someone, but it doesn't look like it's being overly used, so feel this film will be our official uh, hashtag And I'm excited to see those recommendations rolling in. And just know when we talk about these recommendations, you know, we do a podcast every week. We mix in a lot of theater movies. There will be less theater movies in the fall and winter seasons than there are in the summer. Uh, So we'll be able to get to some of these, hopefully. And, you know, we plan to be in existence for many years to come, hopefully. So, you know, (laughs) there's time. Don't no rush on that. It's good to have a backlog. It is. It absolutely is. Uh, We always want to get better, and the feedback that we've gotten recently has been awesome. Um, We will actually read a few of your reviews at the end of this show because we just want to say thank you for those and let the rest of the listeners hear the amazing words because they mean a lot to us. All right, well, I want to get into this movie, but before we do that, as always, uh, we should catch up on what we've been up to. So what have you been up to, my friend? Well, um, as Christopher Walken would say, I got a fever, but the only cure for me this week would have to be the Olympics because I have Olympic fever, my friend. Yeah, buddy. It has, it has taken, uh, it's, it has taken hold of me and my family. We have locked in. In fact, uh, this weekend, my wife and I, we celebrated our eight year anniversary of being married. Yay. And we, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for that. And we had, uh, we had a nice dinner um, in, uh, in town. And then, um, like any great married couple with a child, we decided to celebrate by coming back home, putting on our comfy clothes and watching prime time <laughs> on NBC. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> it's, it's really been great. I, something about two weeks, every two years for me personally, just gets me so psyched about celebrating with, um, other people that have this common interest it's a, it's a, it's a unifying thing. It's a communal thing, but more than anything, I get to watch sports and care about sports that I normally don't even get to see like table tennis, handball, handball. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's just, it's amazing. And 
the the NBC coverage, I think we've talked about this offline. While it hasn't been great for for either one of us, I think what I do enjoy is the fact that the you, you have these great stories that are interspersed throughout the Olympic Games to give us a little bit of sentimentality for these athletes. So if you didn't care about the Australian swimmer that was posed, you know, poised to break a record in the hundred meter free, now you do because there's a great produced story about this athlete. Most of them are about U.S. Olympic athletes for some odd reason, but all of the stories, uh, we just we just love hearing them. We love hearing stories of redemption, stories of hope, stories of just struggle to strength and all that stuff. And it's it's just it's just great. Two weeks out of the year, we become patriotic on an athletic level, and uh, we've been having a good time with it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I love the Olympics. It's been a little bit of a challenge to get the coverage that I want when I want it, even though there is a ton of coverage out there for cord cutters like myself. Um, but it has been awesome. I mean, you and I went back and forth about handball for quite some time and we were just both amazed. We were like, well, how does this thing exist? We didn't know about this. And it, it just reminded me of curling in the winter Olympics. Every time I see curling, I, I had forgotten it existed for four years and I'm reminded how awesome it is and how much I would love to try it and awesome. how much I'd probably fail. <laughs> but I think you, I, you hit on something that is, is interesting because it kind of ties in a lot to like our podcast and movies. It's, it's that collective joy in something you're you're taking um you're taking something out of the the ability to be rooting for the u.s athletes uh, and you're rooting for these stories to succeed um, with other people and it it enhances that experience for you and yeah. it's similar you know to the way we approach movies you know that's that's the joy of it is celebrating the the best the positive things in these movies. And we want to do that collectively because it makes that experience even better. And I just, I just thought about that when you were, you were mentioning um, why you like the Olympics so much. It's awesome. I'm going to be watching the heck out of it for the next several weeks. So is that what you've been doing this week? Well, it's, I've been doing other stuff too. Uh, okay. I, in fact, I had to finish doing my other thing quite quickly uh, for two reasons. One, because I wanted to get done before the Olympics open ceremony. That was my goal. Uh, was to not to finish this this up so I could be ready for the Olympics, but the other one was because I couldn't stop watching, so I finally got around to checking out Stranger Things, the new TV show, Netflix uh, based show, that everyone is raving about, everyone is in love with, and I hadn't had time to get to it yet, and I, it, it's kind of a love hate relationship I have with the way that Netflix does their shows now and and other places like Hulu and Amazon Prime do this as well, where they're releasing the entire season. It's great that it's there for you to binge watch and to go back to back to back and be able to not have to wait weeks in between and 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 have these commercial breaks and all this stuff. But th there inevitably comes a time where something like Stranger Things drops and it's in the middle of me having a two-week vacation with my kids and I don't have time to binge watch it. And so I get this feeling of being left out of the conversation. And I know you know what I'm talking about because you're in the you're in this boat. You haven't had a chance to watch it yet uh, because it's eight hours of time that you just haven't been able to a lot. And so it's this love hate thing where it's great to be able to do that. But at the same time, it kind of stinks because if everybody else does it faster than you, you get left behind and you don't get to have that same enjoyment of in the moment uh, conversation about it. But anyway, 
I really liked everything I'd heard about it. I'd actually been keeping up with this for a while before it came out. And so I finally watched the first couple episodes. Uh, in doing so, I believe I watched three instead of the one that I planned on. And I was up till like 2 a.m. in the morning the first night I watched it. Uh, forced myself to stop and then finish the whole thing the next day. It is everything that people say it is. It is amazing. Uh, the nostalgia overload is ripe with this one. I mean, it is Spielberg. It is monsters. It is sci-fi. It is just fantastic character building. Uh, the, the, the child actors are amazing. The Easter eggs that are dropped in this thing will just make you giggle and chuckle and, and get all excited. It, it is a fantastic piece of storytelling from start to finish. I loved every second of it, and I cannot wait for more. Um, so, yeah, I, I highly recommend that if you have not gotten to Stranger Things yet and you're out there and you own Netflix, make time for it. If you can't binge watch it, no big deal. Start with an episode a week. Start with whatever works for your schedule, but prioritize this show because it is a wonderful, wonderful show. Excellent, man. Excellent. Well, if you don't have anything else, I think it's time to dive into the world of Suicide Squad. As always, there will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, turn this show off right now. But if you have not, if you've seen this movie, come on, come on with it. We're ready to go. Aaron, talk to me. Well, what was your initial? Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I, I will talk to you. So my initial impression, we'll set the stage. You and I, as we mentioned, we did a poll this week to determine what movie we were going to see. Uh, if you're a regular listener to the show, you'll know that at the end of the last week's episode, we had just we told everybody we were going to do Suicide Squad. But neither Patrick or I was super excited about it. Um, we didn't particularly care for the way the trailers were done. Uh, even though, you know, we enjoy comic book movies, we enjoy the characters in these movies. Uh, this one, even this one specifically, we just weren't really feeling it, um, to use a, a bad pun. And so we thought, you know, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see if anybody really wants us to cover this movie. Uh, because what we didn't want to do is we didn't want to cover it just because it was getting killed in the reviews. We didn't want that to be the reason, right? We wanted to like have have a have investment. So the poll was out and you the listeners spoke very loud and clear in the Facebook group that you wanted Suicide Squad still to be covered. Uh so it, it kind of was interesting because I know for me that excited me. That got me excited about going to see the movie. I felt like I was now bought in more and I had a reason to go see it beyond just my own personal initial interest level. Um, I will say that I have a history with the comic. I used to read the comics. I, I like the comics. I like the moral dilemmas in the comics and the depth that they kind of get into with this concept of the Suicide Squad, these, these villains that are being controlled via these bombs in their neck. So I had high expectations, and that's why I was worried, because I wanted that movie. I wanted a movie that was going to give me those philosophical questions of good versus evil and how far was too far and in what's inhumane and what's not, those kind of questions. And I didn't feel like I was going to get that. But, Patrick, I got that, and I was very pleasantly surprised by the movie. Mm. I was not 
blown away. I wouldn't give it five stars. It it had some bad dialogue at times. Um, some of the characters did not get developed hardly at all. I think the movie really rushed in trying to introduce us to everybody. That's that's a drawback that DC has has repeatedly kind of had to deal with by trying to catch up to Marvel. Um, it feels like they're trying to introduce us to so many different cool characters at once that it's like, dude, slow down. I don't have time to care about them yet. Right. But by this man, by the a third or so into this movie, it just a switch flipped for me and I got interested. I got invested. I had characters I cared about. Not all of them, but some of them, enough of them. And it just started to work. Uh, and I really came out of this one enjoying the heck out of it. I had a great experience and you know, in in talking about this movie in the last couple of days with people online and um, with friends and family in person, I've come to appreciate it even more as I think about it and I discuss it and I look back at what I enjoyed about it. I, I've, I realized my experience was, but I want to go see it again. Like that's where I'm at right now. So that's great, man. That's yeah. Great. So how was it for you? Well, the short answer is, is this, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that's fair. They're not alone. <laughs> but I'm going to say this. The exercise that we do on this on this show, the idea of going into a film with affirming positive type vibes, thinking that you know, with that this is this is the best that the creative team is trying to give us. It's not a phoned-in type thing. Um I've chosen in the, in these movies and other movies that we're we have seen and that we will see to not read the reviews until after the fact so that my takeaway can be my own personal opinion. And I can say, I didn't like it because of this. And I will say that I didn't notice really any of the reasons that the review, the negative reviews were pointing out. Those were none of those reasons were why I didn't like it. Interesting. What was different? It was, it, it was different. And it was, it came from a place of personal taste. Unlike you, Suicide Squad is not a property that I was even remotely interested in in its comic book form. I don't know the characters that well. And that type of storytelling, that dark, evil on evil, um, abusive, just real, it, it made me uncomfortable. There were parts of it that Rightly so, David Ayer and company really caused me to kind of stir in my seat. And I was like, I'm not really having a good time with this. It's, it's similar to how I feel when I have tried to watch horror movies. The experience that I get from a horror movie is not one that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's the same experience that other people get of being scared to death, getting jump scared, you know, grabbing onto their seats. But I don't enjoy that. It's one that I don't feel good about when I walk out of the theater. I'm all tense and I'm stressed out. And when I was watching the, at least the first probably half hour to 45 minutes of this, particularly introducing Harley Quinn and showing some of the scenes where she's being tortured. It's um, rough. It, it, it's rough. It bothered me a lot um, to a point of I'm saying, I hate this. I hate seeing this. Um, this almost, I don't want to call it torture porn, but it, it felt very, very abrasive to me. So it put me in a place of going, okay, is this this is PG 13. Really? Can it get worse than this? Um, but like you, I started to, I started to find some really, really great moments, um, 
a part of the story where characters, particularly Deadshot and Harley Quinn and Diablo were the three characters that I think a lot of people would call out as being the, the heavy hitters of the movie. Those guys, and in particular Diablo, really connected with me. And when I could latch on to him in particular and to the other two to an extent, that's when I really started to enjoy the film because I connected. I had some kind of, you know, vested interest into what happened to them and what happened to him specifically. And that's where I started to enjoy it. Also, there was less, there was not much torture after those first few scenes. And, um, and, and some of the scripting, as you mentioned, it wasn't, some of it wasn't great, but some of it was really great. And so some of the moments that I laughed out loud, uh, helped kind of ease some of the tension that I was feeling. So you're, I guess what you're telling me, what I'm hearing you say is that just because you didn't personally or don't personally resonate uh, or enjoy a specific type of storytelling, that doesn't mean that the quality of a film is poor. Exactly. There, there's something to be said about a desire to see a film and being let down versus reluctantly really seeing a movie that you're not interested in and having some of your personal convictions affirmed in that. And I've experienced the latter. None of it was because of whatever the critics are, are saying. I didn't notice a lot of that stuff. Maybe it was because I was distracted by my own personal stuff, but it didn't take away the enjoyment of the film. The enjoyment of the film overall, I'm, I'm, as I was thinking about it, you know, a day later and two days later, I'm going, I really didn't see anything wrong with it at all. It was a well-told story. I could see rushed character origins, but that's par for the course when it comes to the DC universe. And yeah. I'm assuming now that we've gotten all these characters established, now we're going to kind of, we've, we've peaked at that point. I think so. Um, I hope so. And so what that tells me is that the DCU as a whole is something I'm going to enjoy because there are tons of characters in the DCU that have been introduced that I say tons, there are three major characters in the DC universe that I'm being introduced to or have been introduced to that are now going to be great chess pieces in this storytelling that's going to happen over the next few years. Suicide Squad, I think added characters that I didn't care about, but after watching the movie, I now have more of a vested interest, particularly in Deadshot and Harley Quinn that I didn't think I would have going into it. Those two characters alone were two that I had no interest in. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that um, because I agree and I, it's, it's odd to say that it's odd that uh, Will Smith would be a character that I can say I'm not interested in going into a movie. I mean, that's like, he's brought on for that star power reason. And it was so weird to me because in the trailers, everything I saw of his version of Deadshot was a turnoff. And I was like, no, no, this isn't Deadshot. This isn't going to work. This is awful. They're ca they, you know, they, they sold out and cast him just because he's a big name and it's just a terrible fit. Yada, yada, yada. That's what my gut feeling was going into it. But holy moly, he blew me away. Like I loved him. I loved him. He nailed it. He got the character tone right. Um, he, he was just powerful and he owned the screen so much in that role, uh, much like Deadshot does in the comic books. Uh, and you know, he's, a, he is a very, um, very, uh, 
I, I want to say charismatic, but like, he has a presence to him as a mm-hmm. as a character. Um, you, you know that you don't mess with Deadshot, right? And Will Smith gave you that. There's there's some scenes, man, that I just I, I couldn't I couldn't love more. Uh, specifically when he is brought out at the beginning to meet uh, Rick Flag and uh, Amanda Waller. You yeah. know where I'm going with this. Yeah. yeah. And the guard that has been torturing everybody uh, at Belle Reve is standing there, and Will Smith just kind of looks at the table full of guns, and he's like, are, are y'all for real? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do you know who I am? Do you understand what you're doing here? And the guard knows. The guard's like, yeah, like, this is not a good idea. Um, and, of course, they tell him, you know, there's there's not actual bullets and everything in the guns. They tell him it's kind of, they're fake. Um, and so he fires that round off in the sky, and the moment, like, he realizes that they are real guns and weapons... I mean, yes, it's it's Suicide Squad, and that's what is so unique about this. We are celebrating and we are enjoying watching villains do their craft. Usually we don't. Usually when a villain is enjoying what the villain likes, it's a bad thing. <laughs> it's People are dying that shouldn't be dying, innocence, and, it, and it's a turnoff. But in this one, I exhibited like some of that joy, like seeing him get so excited about being able to use his his god-given talents in his shooting when he's displaying it for them just made me like giddy i got like this huge smile on my face and and, you know and he just and he finishes and then he has this great scene with rick flag that just starts off of course the long-term relationship between he and rick flag which is fantastic um Mm -hmm. all throughout so yeah i thought deadshot nailed it um when you mentioned harley though i Harley was another character I was incredibly worried about. And I have some Harley stuff. I used to love Harley Quinn as a character. I still do. I like the older Harley Quinn. I like the Harley Quinn that is less sexualized than she has become uh, over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Harley is a fantastic, complicated character. I mean, this is a legitimate doctor who is seduced by the devil in a lot of ways yeah. Uh, and then falls into this completely destructive and abusive relationship. And it's intriguing, but it's intriguing from a tragic sense. It's like yeah. watching a, a tragedy by William Shakespeare. You know it's not going to go well. You know where we're headed. Um, and I just, I'm not a fan of the way that uh, fans in, in general and the media tend to promote the Harley Joker relationship as if it's something to be glorified. Uh, it, it's not something to be glorified. It's something to look at and say, this is bad. Like we should not take joy in this. We should see it as something that is awful and gross. And so yeah. I, I was worried about that going into it. And I think, I think they did a good job. I, I guess is yeah. what I'll say overall of showing us that without going overboard and, and romanticizing it too much. I think you're spot on with that 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 observation. It it calls to mind a scene just after she re um, reunites with the Joker on the is it the helicarrier? I can't really. I don't know what that's that is. Marvel. No, it's not a helicopter. Sorry, <laughs> it's a helicopter. A helicopter. normal old boring helicopter in this universe. Okay, so <laughs> so my bad. Um, yeah, so she she's briefly re- uh, reunited with him, and then you know it it explodes, and you know she lands, and there's a scene which how she how she's able to 
stick the landing. I mean, she might as well be an Olympian at that point. Um, but there's this really great moment where you see her just assessing this loss that she's experienced. She, she had her, um, she had her love in her grasp and she lost him again. And then what you get in, there's like three seconds that you see so much of who she is. You see her mourning over that because she thinks he's dead. And then you see her glance out of the corner of her eye, the rest of the team and her posture just completely changes. And she goes into that. I'm kind of psycho crazy. How's it going guys? You know, and what you see there is what I think a lot of us experience about putting on a show, mm. putting on a face oh, yeah. and having a place where we try to hide the grief that we're experiencing. And as weird as it sounds, I actually kind of empathize with her as crazy as their relationship is. I empathize with a character who has loved and lost and then loved again and now lost again. I mean, and you you combine that with a with her just just crazy abusive relationship with this guy and it is an insanely dangerous cocktail of emotion and i just it it almost caused me to want to see a spin-off movie about her like i wanted her origin story to be more of a slow burn after knowing all that i mean we got her origin story within the mix of that montage but that moment made me want to see her breakdown again not for celebratory reasons but i think it would be a fantastic psychological exploration in what it means to be in a dangerous relationship emotionally and physically and otherwise oh i completely agree with you i i empathize with her as well i mean that's that's one of the thing that things that i did not expect going into this movie you know we are feeling film and I did not expect to be feeling nearly as much as I felt. Um, I had quite a few moments where I, you know, was tugging on the heartstrings, uh, and and I was really starting to connect with some of these characters. And what you mentioned is one of them because, um, you know, as you say, it, it's something we can relate to as well. Maybe not personally, but you know, we can find familiar familiarity in it. It's not just a movie trope we most likely have known a friend or a family member that's been in a relationship that is bad for them, that is destructive. And whether it's that person that we've experienced this through or ourselves, sometimes, sometimes you love someone or you choose to continue giving yourself to that person that's not right for you. And, and that's where Harley's at. And so seeing that play out, it's, it's so hard to break that, that, that addiction that she has uh, for what the Joker provides her. And that's the, that's what I'm getting out of this. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's so much deeper than just a comic book movie with a crazy clown girl and a crazy clown guy. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that I just loved about this movie. And I thought that they were able to capture really well. I was impressed. Yeah, yeah I, I was too. And speaking of being impressed, I mean, Leto's Joker is probably one that, I I remember okay so I'm going to go back uh, to to the dark knight because of course that's and fair. I'm not I mean it's it's it, it's okay yeah and I remember walking out and and talking to my old roommate and I said you know what I think 
that portrayal of the Joker was probably the closest that I've ever experienced to being frightened of a person because that was a very grounded, um, Ledger's, Ledger's portrayal was the, the most grounded and perfect for Nolan's universe. Everything was grounded in that, in that trilogy. It could have existed. Suicide Squad is different because it's in a world where Superman exists. It's in a world where meta-humans are, are common and in this movie obviously being used for different reasons. And so I look at Leto's Joker and I think here's a guy who has the same or similar, I mean, he has the same backstory, obviously he's the same character, but he fits in this world. He's not a Ledger Joker. He is a, he's a, he's a Leto's Joker and he is perfect in this for me. He is creepy. He is it's insane. Oh yeah. He has some really, really twisted jokes here and there. But his relationship with Harley gives him a human connection for me. He he become he became, you know, seeing him in the trailers, he was a very much very much of a comic book guy, comic book character. Like, oh yeah, I've seen him in the pages of, of Batman. Seeing him interact with with Harley and his some genuine moments that he has with her when he does and his obsession with wanting to be with her equally as much as her obsession with wanting to be with him grounded him and made him human to me and made their relationship real as real as it can be for two just nutty people. But I, uh, I, again, I, I say I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the reality of that within the world of, ridiculousness if you could call it that yeah me too i i think i think you absolutely can call it that uh and i think that's one thing that was done really well and i and i it's it saddens me that um whether critics have missed that somehow i, I don't i don't know i don't understand the backlash to this movie i you know i i got some of the backlash to previous movies that have not been loved like bvs and other things i guess I could understand more so why those things were rated poorly, but when it comes to this one, man, it, it was, we're sitting at like a 20 something percent on the rotten tomato meters with user scores in the seventies. I mean, there is a drastic divide right now between the big time media review folks and the mass majority of moviegoers and, and people like us who have, really just enjoyed the film, you know, acknowledged it's not great. And, uh, and I think it, it brings to mind something where I, I don't understand why we can't have okay films anymore or good films. I feel, I feel like we're reaching this place in movies. 2016, it's just been a lightning rod for this. Uh, I mean, it was a great year to launch our podcast and be able to talk about it because I mean, it has, it's been one after the other and it feels like your movie either has to be great and either Oscar worthy or, you know, top 50 of my personal all time worthy. Or if it's not, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. And there's just very little room for 
middle ground these days uh, in people's minds. And I I don't understand it. I don't either. And I'm not going to call it a strong correlation, but I know that there is always talk about at least before 2016, the success of a film being how much it grosses, you know, where it sits in money. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, just looking at the all time box office numbers and just seeing just how astronomical the numbers have gotten that in order to make it into the top 10, you have to hit such a huge number domestic. And I just looked at domestics. I didn't really look at at global stuff. And maybe there's some connection there that a movie has to make a ton of money in order to be considered a great film. Um, Every once in a while you have a movie like uh, my big fat Greek wedding that slowly makes its way into a success story and ends up just completely blowing people away over time. But that's not, that's not normal. Um, Why do films have to reach some kind of pantheon or some kind of, you know, level of greatness or level of mediocrity to be talked about? Why can't you talk about the films that are just enjoyable to watch that are nostalgic, um, that have other pieces of value to an individual or to a group that extends beyond their Oscar worthiness or their box office success? Why does that value have to be limited to things that, frankly, um, you know, the I guess the majority of people think is considered good or bad? I mean, why does it have to be that? Why, why can't it just be, this is why I enjoyed it? Um, I, I don't understand it. I wish I did. I wish that there was an easy answer for that. I think we tried to answer that question a couple of weeks ago on how that idea can be changed from an individual point of view, but, um, it's probably just going to be another, it's going to be a question that continues to get asked and discussed. And, um, my wish I think is like yours, just that movies can be anything you want them to be. They can be good or they can be bad and they can be subjectively good or bad to everybody. Your movie can be great compared to that same movie that cannot be so great for me. And at the end of the day, you and I are still friends and we're still talking movies. I'm going to watch Chariots of Fire in two years or in four years, and you're probably not. And that's not going to make the movie any less great or our friendship any less great. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, talking about bad, um, you know, you get me thinking here on another point that I really wanted to make about Suicide Squad. I've, I've I've been arguing this point online recently. Uh, I probably should stop arguing online. I've I've noticed that I'm getting more and more fired up. Stay uh, positive, Aaron. Stay positive. Well, I'm staying positive. I'm defending films <laughs> by being positive, and it's like it gets me it gets me to this place that I I just need to to you know Netflix and chill. Um, but uh, when you talk about bad, one of the things that I love so much about this movie that got the airs really got right in capturing and this is something that goes to the comic the villain in this movie when anyone in the world starts talking to me or when i read a review and people start talking about the villain of this movie being enchantress i just start shaking my head because i'm like no the villain in this movie is not enchantress i mean sure she's a villain in a sense but they're all villains but the the real villain to me in this film personally and and I know I just made some comments like I'm I'm not saying that I'm totally right, but for me, um, it's Amanda Waller, and that's that's the way it works in the comic as well. You know, the it, Amanda Waller's character, first of all, 
Viola Davis hit a home run. <laughs> Knocked it out of the park with her performance. Uh, incredible. I was so happy with that casting when we when it was announced, and I was thrilled uh, with seeing it play out. I believe she was in The Help, which is what you watched recently. Was she not? Isn't that... Uh, yeah, I feel like that's what she broke out in. Keep talking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little quick research. I'm right? pretty sure she was. I think she's okay. the one that ends up bringing the pie. The help? I'm going to... Uh, All right. You, well, you, you look it up while I keep out. talk. Okay, <laughs> uh, anyway, I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm not. But I thought she was amazing in this as Amanda Waller. She was awful. She was terrible. I mean, she was a bad person. And that's what Suicide Squad is to me. It is questions of morality it is questions of what is when is it too far right and so you know at one point amanda waller becomes not just a villain like she is a blatant murderer she in cold blood murders these innocent soldiers that are there to protect her yeah i was like what was up with that 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 completely confused me <laughs> did it well she explains it she says they weren't cleared to see this. And the whole reason is because it, when you see that scene beginning, Flag tells all of the Suicide Squad to stay out. He's like, do not come in here. Mainly because he doesn't want them to know it's Waller that they're rescuing. Mm-hmm. But it, the reason it gets blown up is because Deadshot walks in. And when Deadshot walks in, now all of these non-cleared soldiers that think they're just protecting Amanda Waller, they know what's going on. They see this villain that has Ah, been employed. Right, this is all top secret. And so she just, bang, 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 like takes them all out instantaneously, uh, knocks them them dead. And it's like, okay, (laughs) so that's where you're going. And it's all this righteous judgment for her. So everything is about... How do we create a protection plan for the potential threat? And in this movie, they actually create the threat themselves with Enchantress. Right. You know, like they they bring that about. That's not a threat that comes out unnaturally. It's a threat that they go and, and start trying to manipulate by controlling Enchantress. They start trying to enslave her to do what they want. So they, they make it happen themselves, but... It makes you have this internal debate with yourself about what would we, what would we do in reality? Like, how far is too far? Um, you know, the torture scenes, you know, very relevant to you know America and uh, the war on terror that we've experienced in recent years. You know, is it okay to torture prisoners of war? Which is kind of what this is in a way. You know, yes, they're bad people. Yes, they're evil. Should you be able to torture them? Is that is that helpful? Is that allowed? Um, and Amanda Waller's character kind of is the the centerpiece for all this. You right. know, it's it's is it worth the question for me? And and the one I would actually like to pose to you is how you thought about all of this. Is you know, is it worth losing our humanity just to try and be prepared to fight the Inhumans? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough question. And it's one that I think David Ayer and company did well throughout the movie to, um, this is my way of not answering the question, by the way, I'm just giving a little personal spoiler alert <laughs> because I, I don't have an answer for that. It's, 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 it's one that can't be answered in a five minute discussion, but I think what it does much of like what 
he and and his writing team and everybody that came together for this did is they they got they put a philosophical question inside an entertaining movie and allowed you to walk away asking those questions and that's that's difficult to do i mean you expect those kinds of questions to maybe come out in a drama or maybe a crime thriller or something that has some quote serious overtones by default here we have a movie that is driven by a crazy rock and roll soundtrack with great soundtrack by the way yeah i really love great use of music for sure for sure and um you know combined with some quippy one-liners here and there you when you can pull that stuff out of a movie um Again, I'm not going to say what the artist, the director, or the writers were trying to do. This is, you know, artist subjective. And so you run that fine line of saying, what did it mean to me? But I think a lot of people, you and myself included, found that that was a question that needed to be asked or that, that they were trying to ask. How far is too far? Um, this moral dilemma, it does exist in our world in different ways. At what cost is, is too much? Um, you know, when do we cross the line? You mix that in with relationships that are that create tension for us. I mean, we're used to seeing the heroes. We're used to seeing Superman, who is by default a hero. We're used to seeing Batman, who is he's a hero with some tragic characteristics. The Suicide Squad is an interesting set of fish because they are by default villains. They are quote bad guys. And this movie challenges our perceptions on what is considered bad. And as an extension of that, challenges our perceptions on do these guys deserve to be redeemed? That to me was what I pulled away from it. Fantastic point. Fantastic point. Can they? Can they be redeemed? And and more more importantly, for us and, and this movie specifically, do any of them find what you would call redemption like how do we define that and i would say you know first person we want to look at for that is deadshot you know because he has a moral compass he doesn't kill women and children and that's what he he tells us in the movie right that's that's the the depth of his moral compass that we know about uh that has existed before the events of this this film take place Uh, so you know like i guess can he was he redeemed in any way did, was he to you? I, I think in some ways he was. I think the fact that he didn't have to apologize for who he was to his daughter, that last scene with him and her when he was using he was using bullets and shooting as a means to explain the geometry of a hypotenuse triangle, told me that his daughter accepted him for who he was. So hilarious, was, by the way. Sorry. Was, I, I just, exactly. Just remembering was, that scene, I, I laughed out loud. so it was funny. It was so funny, but at the same time, it said so much about how his relationship with his daughter had grown because he was, he was okay. He was, he was owning who he was in front of his daughter. He wasn't lying to her anymore. Mm-hmm. She knows that he shoots people and he knows that he can tell her that and be honest. And she's okay with that. Well, I don't say she's okay with that, but she's accepted that this is who her dad is but she's also accepted that he loves her beyond any shadow of a doubt and that he would do anything for her, including killing somebody. Um, so I think in some ways he had redemption. Harley Quinn, I think hers is a question mark uh, right now. 
she got redeemed and that she got rescued. But for us, for me personally, her redemption is going to have to be when she gets away from that guy, her personal redemption, maybe, but I, you know, I'm, I'm being the judge and jury of her life based on my own personal convictions. And I wish she weren't with Joker. I wish that she was able to break away from him, which again is great storytelling and great writing because I think we were meant to feel that. Yeah, we were, we absolutely were. Um, and, and a lot of us, I mean, you and I did, I would put forth that her redemption came uh, at the same time many of them found a certain form of redemption, and that was within the framework of the the honor among thieves idea because what what happens throughout this film is a fantastic relationship between uh, Deadshot and will and uh, Deadshot and will Smith <laughs> woo. That's that's more like a Harley Quinn kind of thing. Um, <laughs> uh, the relationship between Deadshot and Rick Flag, as it progresses, the machoism that's going on between these two, the the need to be in control that goes on. That there's there's constant debate. It's just just fun to watch. Um, but they're learning to respect each other too, and they're, over time they're beginning to respect each other. And then there's another main relationship between Deadshot and Harley that takes place where they're, I, I mean, they're becoming friends, really. They're at the end, you know, kind of, it's more, I guess it's more of an understanding of each other than a friendship. It's more of a, a mutual, uh, trying to figure out how, why each other, why, why the other one ticks the way they do, um, what their motivations are. And, and you know, can I trust this person? <laughs> and, so this this idea of honor among thieves that plays out where they collectively agree to go fight Enchantress with no guarantees for their safety and with no guarantees for what they're going to get out of this at the end. Uh, they're not going to be set free. They understand, And now they completely understand the cards are on the table and they still are willing to make that choice and they make it together um, because they start to care about each other. They start to feel for each other. They start to care about Diablo's backstory when we find out what it is instead mm -hmm. of just treat him. I mean, it's funny because there's also this aspect of, you know, them treating him like an outsider, like, Oh, you're just, right. you're not, you're not a villain like us. You know, you're yeah. a different kind of villain. Um, mm -hmm. And so then they, they, they start to feel for him and everybody kind of just begins to understand each other in a different way. And I found that to be redemptive in a way because these are people that are loners. These are people that um, act without consequence. Uh, they just make their decisions. They don't think about what what, it, what it, the effect on anyone but themselves is. And for the first time, they're starting to actually do that. Yeah, for sure. And one of the moments that I loved uh, to kind of show maybe not a likability, but a respect by Waller was near the end when they were making plans to all, you know, go their own way. And she's like, Nope, I've still got the, you know, still got the, the, uh, the tablet of death here, you know, whatever it was that, that had their, uh, had their pictures on it. And, um, you know, we, we hear these throwaway comments like, yeah, I'd love to have a little espresso machine. And, you know, I'd love to see my daughter, you know, and, you know, I, and I'd like BET. I think Croc said I'd like BET. And we see this little montage after Will Smith goes 
and sees his daughter and then has to leave, which by the way, there's a great moment there where, um, to show the respect that flag has for him. He tells the guys to back off behind them that have the chains. It's like, look, he's, you know, he's, he's saying two things. Don't embarrass this guy in front of his daughter. He's not, he's dangerous, but you know, back off. And also he's not going to do anything. And then we show Harley Quinn making her, uh, like frappuccino or something in her, in her cage while she's, or she's, she's sipping it with her pinky up. Of course she is. Yeah. Um, uh, with a bed, by the way, you know, she didn't have a bed, you know, there was, there was that. And then, um, you know, of course, Croc having, a you know, BET and just enjoying watching BET in his, in his little sewer cell or whatever it was. Those are, those are great little, again, I'm just gonna, I may have already said this, but I love the fact that Aaron company use truth, um, delivered as humor. I love that aspect of their storytelling that they, they're not preaching at us. They're not saying, look, these guys got what they wanted. They're using those moments to kind of, it's, it's great writing to me. Mm -hmm. It's very much like Aaron Sorkin that they, they drop a little throwaway line in one place and they pay it off later as a great joke, as an in joke or something. But it also says something more about the, the, progression of the relationships of each character particularly with waller and and these and these guys yeah and it bookends the beginning of the film too where the film starts with them being inhumanely tortured and treated um unfairly in in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways and so then it bookends that with some respect for them and and it shows to me their character arcs and what they have achieved what they've earned um through their actions and Mm -hmm. and not just their actions. Again, it goes deeper than just their actions of, Oh, we fought the bad guy and we won and saved the world. It's the progression of their characters, the decisions that they had to make within the framework and the context of when they made them that has changed why they now have earned the respect of a Waller and a flag, et cetera. Yeah. So I'm pumped to see where they go with it, to be honest with you. I, it's crazy because I, I I was super hyped when I heard they were going to make the movie. Saw the trailers, didn't like them at all. Got really depressed about it and was like, "Crap, I'm not going to like this. I don't even want to see it." And then now here I am back to, I can't wait to see the next Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, for sure. I um I think some of the one of the small things I liked. I, I don't know why this popped up, but I, I thought I thought is a couple of weeks ago, I think when we had Andrew on, you asked the question, who's better Batman or Superman? Of course I lost because I have two Batman fans in my you, midst. You lost because you're wrong, <laughs> but we won't go there even though I but just I'll, did. What, what I'll do is I'll, I'll definitely support um, the strength of that character. And I thought Ben Affleck was great in the scenes that he was in. Right. He's a, yeah. He's a, I mean, it was a great connecting point. I thought what a great way to connect um, Suicide Squad to the, the, the anthology or the, the extended the narrative, universe. the extended universe, the overall narrative that's being told. Um, I, great little moment when Waller was talking about, you know, a superhero came into our midst and they show that guy selling t-shirts with Superman's logo on it. And then when he flips it around to show um, like in memoriam or whatever it was, we now know contextually where this movie takes place. This is after BVS. Yeah. And there's another scene that's right either before that or that's tied to that portion where they actually DC has done this a couple times. Now they show a scene from BVS where they're in the, 
the war room and they're discussing what is happening in BVS. And then the scene continues mm-hmm. into something that we didn't get to see in BVS. And it's yeah. like, Oh, I just, I love that stuff. That stuff is brilliant to me. Those are great connecting points. I remember when you and I were, uh, when the new 52 dropped, um, I think you, we were both reading Batman, but I think I was reading Batman and Robin as well. And I think the court of owls, story arc was going on so good and i remember specifically either texting you or we were talking maybe it was when i was in seattle with you but i remember going look at this this scene from batman is in batman and robin but we're seeing it from a different perspective and oh oh nightwing the same scenes in nightwing but we're doing it from his perspective and i love stuff like that because we get such continuity but we're also getting different stories that are being told. And I love the subtlety of the connecting points that are there. It's just really, really great because it tells me even though these directors and writers are doing stuff solo, even though they're having the creative freedom to tell their story, there's also this understanding from an executive point of view, from a big picture point of view, from John's or Snyder, whoever's kind of doing the whole show or the movie Bible type thing or whoever's running the whole show to keep continuity and to make sure that the overall narrative is still being pushed along. It's not, it, it, unlike what I love about what DC is doing is it's not so closely tied to every, everything's not so closely tied to one another, but there's still connection. Mm-hmm. Marvel does it great in their formula. And I think DC is starting to establish themselves as telling their narrative in this way, in a, in a really good way. Couldn't agree more. Uh, love the mid credits scene with the uh, Batfleck as well. I just, mm-hmm. the way that that sets things up, um, I, I thought that was brilliant. I mean, it was, it was so well done, you know, yeah. he, as Bruce Wayne, he's very domineering and he's like, no, this is what's going to happen. And I love again, Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. And she's like, I'm not backing down. Like I, you're not, <laughs> I don't care who you are. Like, you know, yeah. they're just, those two set themselves into those rules so well. And, you know, it, it makes me more excited for Justice League. It makes me more excited for the solo Batfleck film. I, I don't think I'll ever be able to call it anything but Batfleck going forward <laughs> uh, anytime I reference it. But hey, you just used the word connecting point like 10 times in talking yes. about how these movies connected to each other. So mm-hmm. why don't we just go right into that and talk about our connecting points, which, you know, obviously are our kind of the point in the movie where we really resonated the most with it or where it resonated the most with us. And we felt like we connected. So what was yours? Well, we didn't get to talk about him that much in our discussion yet. So I want to highlight Diablo. I am so glad because I wanted to talk about Diablo. So go for it. He was for me, a breath of fresh air. Introducing him um, was, was great. I loved seeing the fact that when he was approached by Flag and Company, there was interspersed security footage of him in a prison yard using his pyro power, pyrotechnic, to basically just kill everybody and seeing him laugh uh, as if he's having just enjoying that. But you you see that interspersed with him narrating, I'm not that guy anymore. Um, I don't know who that guy is. We start to see like, okay, who is this guy? And he, I think he even with his, with his flamey spells, goodbye. Like he doesn't want to be talked to. He says bye. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was great too. 
um, his progression as the movie goes on is great because he's basically a pacifist. He refuses to just unleash his power. And there's a great moment with uh, Will Smith where he's just getting in his face. He's like, you think you got this? You think you got this? You know, you, you're nothing. to like, You want to see what I got? You want to see what I got? It's almost like, like Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. You know, that kind <laughs> of intensity. And then when he just goes off and just, just completely destroys everything in his path in this one particular scene at the end, Will Smith, who'd been making like Phil Jackson motivational speak, speaker jokes, <laughs> goes, man, I was just trying to get you there. We're, we're cool, right? You know, Phil Jackson, right? <laughs> but the real moment for me, uh, for him, was when Will Smith talks about his moral compass and, and Diablo says, you know, you don't, you know, you don't kill women and children, do you? He goes, no, because that's just, that's just wrong. He goes, well, I do. And then we get his backstory about how um, he was forced because of, you know, just the financially where he was forced to start doing, quote, bad things. His wife finds out about it. Um, he loses control, loses control of his power, ends up setting the building that he lives in on fire. And we don't see, again, probably because it needed a PG-13 rating, but we don't see all the gore. We don't have to see a lot of the stuff. We leave it all open to interpretation. And so he's telling this story about how he's basically, he killed his wife and kids. And, and Harley looks at him just with complete an utter lack of empathy and goes own that. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't say it quite that well. She uses some salty language, but, but she basically just says own it. In other words, saying, look, that's who you are. You cannot change who you are. You cannot live in the past with your regrets. That's who you are. Own it. And the payoff was when the enchantress is basically manipulating Flag and Deadshot and Harley and then Diablo. And Diablo's in his apartment with his wife and she's caressing him and sort of just in, in the sweet way that a wife does, seducing her husband intimately. And he goes, I wish I could remember the line, but he basically says, I still did it or I can't change that. And at that moment, I go, that's it. Because for me, seeing Diablo own it or own that stuff, as as Harley would say, recognizing the past and the actions he took, it's not a crutch for him anymore. It's part of who he is. It gives him strength. And he's not just accepting it, but he's embracing it. So it becomes a place of power and not a place of weakness. Mm. And when he fought her brother, the Enchantress's brother, I knew he was going to die. I mean, it's it's a, it's it, it's a storytelling plot device that I'm familiar with. You know, redemption and quick tragedy afterwards. But I really wanted him to survive. There was this small hope of like, maybe, just maybe he survived that. And, you know, of course, anything can happen in the comic universe. He could come back at some point. <laughs> He's Diablo, for goodness sake. But I really, really um, felt bad. I felt a sense of loss because I had grown to care about this character. And when he started to realize what he did about himself, that who he was, wasn't a mistake. His past may have been regrets filled with regrets, but it wasn't something that was something he could feel guilty or he had to feel guilty about anymore. That's when I really, really connected with him. Man, I, I find it very hard to uh, disagree with anything you said. I completely 
uh, would would agree. I felt the same way about Diablo. I was blown away by his character and his story arc. Um, when he was introduced as being part of the Suicide Squad and in this movie, I, I you know, I was like, whatever, who who is this guy? Like, what is this guy's role? And I expected him to be a throwaway character, much in the way that, you know, Croc was kind of a throwaway character a lot in this one, and Captain Boomerang for sure, and then whoever that other guy was that, that got blown up because Captain Slip, Bo- Slipknot. Boomerang Slipknot. tricked him <laughs> into a <laughs> testing flag. That was a great <laughs> scene, by the way. Um, but, you know, some of them didn't get as well developed, but um, the, I was really surprised by Diablo's story arc and just everything about it. The, the fact that his name itself, you know, he's named after, you know, Satan. Um, and yet here he is the most good character of the bunch, the most purely good at this point in his life. Um, you know, he, the rest of them are on this journey that he's already kind of gotten himself to, you know, he's not accepted everything about his past and why, like you talked about, but he's taken the pacifist stance. Um, and so I just loved everything about his character. You know, I, I, for some reason, I guess I've watched too many comic book movies. I didn't think about the fact that he died as him dying. I just assumed that he didn't really die. Uh, It's a lot more (laughs) powerful to me right now, just kind of letting that sink in that he probably did. And that is amazing to me. If DC does that and follows through with it, I would actually be as much as I loved the character and would, and, and would love more of him. I would, almost respect them more because they've already done a great job of taking this peripheral uh, superhero or peripheral villain, I guess, and giving him weight and giving him um, something that matters and then giving him this redemptive sacrificial storyline. And we have, we don't get to see that in comics much because they don't die. They don't hardly ever get hurt even. And so it's a big deal. Uh, and I just, I loved everything about the Diablo character in this one, just like you did. Yeah. How about you? What was your connecting point? Well, for me, uh, it's probably not something that a lot of people would choose. Uh, I would assume, but it was kind of like a culmination of a bunch of things leading up to this moment. Um, I've mentioned, you know, about how the dead shot relationships with Rick flag and then specifically with, Harley are going on over the course of the film. They're growing. He's bonding. Um, his relationship with Harley was something that I really took to in the very beginning. And I just was locked in on paying attention to everything between them, all of their dialogue, all of their body, uh, their body actions and body language. And I mentioned, you know, they're all such loners and they have very little in the form of friendship, especially joke or not joker harley and deadshot deadshot works alone i mean he's a sniper like he doesn't have anybody else in his life like at all that we know about harley everything revolves around the joker there's nothing else in harley's world other than the joker um so these are these are two very much loners and in their own way and and now they're here and they end up in this situation where they have to rely on each other and when deadshot chooses not to shoot Harley um, to set that scene just as a reminder the Joker has rescued Harley she's going off on a rope hanging from the helicopter she's you know doing your gymnastics off the rope and laughing and Amanda Waller orders Deadshot to shoot her and he says no 
and she threatens him, you know, with his death and that button. And so he sets up to shoot her and he misses. And of course the context comes in that earlier we've, you know, been told and we are led to understand that Deadshot has never missed. That's the thing about Deadshot. He doesn't miss. That's his, that's his hook. Right. And yet here he is, he misses and he just looks, picks his, picks his gun up and looks at Waller and, and just says, I missed, you know, and it's just, <laughs> it's just this subtle, you know, I don't want to use the words that it made me think, but it's like, a, it's like a middle finger to Waller. You know, it's like, you know what? You don't own me and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make my own decisions. And in that moment, he puts his life on the line for Harley Quinn, which is crazy. Like, why would he do that? He, he, He's just known her for a very brief amount of time, but their relationship has, you know, gotten closer to the point that he risks Waller just blowing him up. And yes, he's making a an educated gamble with that because he knows he's important to her. But at the same time, he decides that the sacrifice of putting Harley first over his own safety in that moment, it just it, it was awesome to me. And, and there was something about that whole scene that just at that point I was a hundred percent in with this film and it just got better for me from that point on. Yeah. I, I think the weight of that scene that you connected with, I could see as well, because not only did I think she threatened him by threatening his life, but I think she said, I'll give you your freedom and you can see your daughter. And yeah, I think at that point, right. it just definitely goes, oh, I got it now. And at that point, when I saw that, I'm going, oh my gosh, he's going to shoot her. Because I thought he was going to shoot her too. I really did. Yeah, because because we know how much he loves his daughter and he would do anything for her. So that added e- equally more weight to his decision not to shoot her because he was giving up a whole lot at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. And that, I failed to mention that, but that, that was uh, part of it. And it, it just, man, I just... It, you, you see these villains and, and the idea of them putting one another ahead of their own interests and their own, um, uh, their own gain. It, it was just, it was great to see. And the way it played out was well executed. I thought so. Yep. Sure. That was, that was it for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it for suicide squad. Uh, yes, sir. so next week, um, we're going to be covering, you know, a little film that, we haven't ever talked about or mentioned. Um, this is a little, you know, it's a little bit of an older film and, and some people probably didn't like it. Others probably did. Um, but I'm okay with covering it. I think, um, how about you? Are you excited about covering this next movie? Um, I'm going to say this honestly, not nearly as much as my co-host is, as he is, um, inclined to, uh, sing, uh, here and there when, when, when we talk offline, (laughs) From, yeah, from the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, listeners, you missed out because you did not get to hear my rendition of uh, the song from this movie, Armageddon. <laughs> but maybe if you're lucky, I'll sing next week. Maybe if you're lucky, he won't. <laughs> so next week it's Armageddon, guys. Uh, we yes. are pumped about this one. Or uh, you know what? I'm saying we because you get to come along for the ride. I love this movie. Uh, I I cannot express it enough. I'm hoping to find some new words or make some up before next week so that I can try and accurately 
display how much I love this film. No, really, I, I really do enjoy the heck out of this movie. I've never understood any of the criticisms. I, I can't see them. I'm I'm unashamed unashamedly biased when it comes to this film. I'm going to put that straight up out there. <laughs> so next week, Armageddon, come for that episode because it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And then in two weeks, if you're still excited about crazy movies that uh, that we like to cover, we are going to dive in to Sing Street. This was the uh, the second place pick on More our singing. Poll. Yes, we're going to be singing. I'm actually pretty excited about this. It's from the writer director of a movie called Begin Again uh, that I that I saw a couple of years ago and absolutely just adored. And, um, I was looking it up and I think you and I were talking offline about, um, this being quote a musical. And I was like, this isn't a musical. It's got singing in it, but it's not like people are just breaking out into song based on their <laughs> emotional, you know, context or whatever. And if you guys had heard the conversation that we were having back and forth to try to clarify both of our viewpoints, you would have just said, shut up, both of you guys just review the movie for goodness sake. You probably would have. <laughs> so, so two weeks sing streets coming at you. And uh, and I personally am excited about that. I know Aaron is too. Yeah, we actually both voted for that in the poll. <laughs> we both voted <laughs> in our own poll to determine what we were going to review this week. It came down to an almost, it was tied quite a few times between Suicide Squad and Sing Street. And Patrick and I both voted for Sing Street. So um, <laughs> never think that when we do a poll, we aren't being honest. We give the people what they want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, I wanted to take a quick moment and just read a couple of reviews, Patrick, because we got some awesome reviews. Uh, we have lots of them, actually. I'm kind of blown away by how many reviews we have in our brief three months of existence. Gosh, they are so appreciated. And so I just want to read a few, um, because these three have come in in the last month or so and just particularly have been pretty impressive to me. Um, the first one I'm going to read is from I'm going to use usernames because I'm not going to guarantee that I'm getting everybody's names right. Uh, it's from courtwag44, and she says, The podcast is great at finding positivity in films as it delves into the redeeming qualities of movies, past and present. It's a pleasant and easy listen for any movie buff who's tired of constant pouting by critics, fanboys, and fangirls. Refreshing. Thank you. That is exactly what we are aiming for Courtney. So I am pumped that you are getting that out of the podcast. The next one is from Philip Hurd. Um, both of these people actually are very active in our Facebook group and we're grateful for that as well. Um, Philip says, this is a great idea for a show focusing on what they like about a movie and not just harping on negatives. I think they're really onto something here because there's a woefully underserved audience of people who don't want to hear the films they like nitpicked. There's nothing wrong with recognizing a movie's shortcomings, but I much more enjoy hearing about what the hosts love about a story. Again, thank you so much, Philip. That is exactly what we are aiming for. And it, I mean, if you could see my face reading these things right now, guys, I am lit up just with humbleness, gratefulness. Um, it's surreal to me um, because we are so glad to know that you're out there, that we aren't the only ones. Because for a long time, Patrick and I, not after we started the podcast, of course. But before that, when we would talk about movies, we started to feel like we were the only ones who felt like this. And so understanding that there is a whole community of you out there that enjoy the positivity and thinking about films with this idea is super meaningful to us. 
Mm-hmm. And the latest. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Good. No, go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. Um, so the latest is from Bookworm Virginia. And she says, or he says, I guess, I don't want to uh, guess. I don't know. Uh, I love the concept here. So much of film fandom these days seems bogged in negativity. It's always great to hear these guys bring back the fun of film, even if I don't always agree with them. And that's why I wanted to read that one because it's okay not to agree with us. And we're totally fine with that. Some of my best friends just this last week actually told Patrick and I in a, in a chat that we have that our opinions on Star Trek beyond, they said that <laughs> they said that after listening to our podcast, they actually liked the movie a little less <laughs> because it made them realize something that we both really connected with and we took it away as a positive. And for them, it was a negative and we brought it to light. Um, <laughs> but you know, it didn't change their overall enjoyment of the way that we discuss the movies and the fact that we're trying to draw out those positive aspects of it. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So thank it you is, guys. Man. Yeah. We appreciate the voices that we have heard through, through iTunes and through our Facebook group. Um, if any of you guys are out there and you want to offer your voice, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at feeling film, F E E L I N F I L M or, on Facebook, facebook.com slash feeling film. You can also find our face group, Facebook group there. And uh, we also have a website, feelingfilm.com, where you can chime in, throw some comments there. Um, use your hashtag feel this film to send out your, uh, your request for movies you'd like to potentially see us cover. Um, as for me, if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can catch me at shoeless patch on Twitter, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. I'm at the same handle on Facebook, or you can find me at thisispatch.com. And for me, I am at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E, pretty much everywhere. That's my Twitter handle. That's my Facebook uh, URL. Um, That's my PlayStation and Steam ID if you want to come play games with me. Uh, You can find me anywhere with that online. And... The one other thing we wanted to know is just this week we've this has been in the works for a while now, um, but we finally are up and running on iHeartRadio. So again, we're just trying to put ourselves out there everywhere you could possibly want to listen to us to make it easier uh, for you to find the show and listen to the show. So if you're an iHeartRadio fan or iHeartRadio app user or you listen to them at work, um, you can now get our show on their website and on their app. And we are we think that's pretty awesome. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, I think that's all we got. Um, This was a great week. It was a fun movie. I'm looking forward to the next one. Actually, looking forward to the next mini. And uh, until then, I would say I hope everybody enjoys the Olympics. And when it comes to all your entertainment, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.